Hi, this is Sue Burke. Welcome to my podcast. Now more than ever, the science of marijuana needs a look-see. With so many states legalizing marijuana, we ought to know the answers to questions like, how does marijuana affect your brain? And how does the endocannabinoid system work? Heck, what is the endocannabinoid system? And how do you pronounce it? We better back it up. Endocannabinoid. Let's start at the beginning. Marijuana 101. Cannabis sativa is a plant more commonly known as marijuana. This plant is popular due to its induced psychological and euphoric states when ingested or smoked, says Captain Obvious. Many states are joining the party and taking steps toward cannabis legalization, but federal law still prohibits its sale and consumption. Why? What is the deal with marijuana? I'm going to give you an ever-so-brief cherry-picked history of marijuana. If ancient Assyrian sources referring to the hand of ghost are considered credible, reports of cannabis use can be traced back to cuneiform tablets circa 2700 BC. There are sources that suggest chronic toothaches may have led the first president of the U.S., George Washington, to grow the plant for medicinal purposes. Queen Victoria is reported to have made use of an alcoholic extract of the cannabis plant, possibly to assist with pain of childbirth. She had nine children between 1840 and 1857, and frankly, I don't blame her. As I weeded through the plethora of scientific literature about the physiological and therapeutic effects of cannabis and cannabinoids, and deconstructed how the endocannabinoid system works, one fact stood out. I should be writing a book about cannabis, not a blog post, and certainly not trying to do a 50-minute podcast. Yet here I am doing it anyway. A PubMed search for scientific journal articles published in the last 20 years contained the word cannabis, containing the word cannabis, revealed 22,771 results. Using the word cannabinoid, and the results increased to 26,570 articles. So I ate chocolate and researched and gardened. It's July when I'm taping this podcast. All in an effort to stall and think about this post. You'll see a lot of flowers on my webpage, www.susanburkcook.com, because I did all this gardening. Anyway, I'll stop whining and get to the science and how the endocannabinoid system works. The endocannabinoid system has attracted more scientific attention due to its involvement in many different functional processes in the brain, including the regulation of emotions, motivation, and cognition. Initially, scientific findings suggested that the ECS, or endocannabinoid system, was only connected to the brain and nerves. They were wrong. Further study revealed that endocannabinoids and their receptors are found throughout the body. In each tissue, the endocannabinoid system performs different tasks, but the goal is always the same. Homeostasis. Homeostasis defined is maintenance of a stable internal environment despite fluctuations in the external environment, like keeping me at 98.6 when it is 95 outside. 
The ECS is involved with many different physiological functions such as sleep, metabolism, mood, appetite, stress, pain, even reproductive and immunological abilities. The endocannabinoid system, interestingly, is not only present inside human bodies, but in all vertebrates, including mammals, reptiles, fish, amphibians, and birds. This does not include our favorite pollinators, bees. So bees don't go anywhere near cannabis sativa. For the endocannabinoid system to function, it needs three components. Cannabinoid receptors, inventively called cannabinoid receptor 1 and cannabinoid receptor 2. Endocabinin, endocabinin, <laughs> endocannabinoids. These are neurotransmitters that our bodies naturally produce to stimulate the CB1 and CB2 receptors. The two most well understood of these molecules are called anadamide and 2 arachnodonglycerol. I have links to about 100 articles about each molecule and how they regulate our bodies. Enzymes are needed too, but we're skipping that today. There's a chart on my website, www.susanburgcook.com, and this blog post associated with the podcast is called The Science of Marijuana. Anyway, on that post, I've got a human receptor chart that shows you exactly where the CB1 and CB2 receptors are located in our body. They are possibly more numerous than any other connective system. Here's a fun, another fun fact. Anadamide has also been found in plants, including small amounts in chocolate. I also have a post about chocolate on my website. So, people, myself included, interchange marijuana and cannabis. Let's get the record straight. Cannabis is the botanical name for a genus of flowering plants of which there are three. Today we're talking about sativa, cannabis sativa. Marijuana refers to the cannabis strains, their dried leaves or flowers which contain THC. This is a perfect segue back to the science of marijuana. The CB1 receptors not only respond to our naturally produced endocannabinoids, the two names that I barely pronounced, but CB1 receptors respond to the active compounds in cannabis sativa. Remember from my chart that CB1 receptors are primarily, primarily in the brain and central nervous system. CB2 receptors are spread in various other parts of the body, all affected by endocannabinoids. The major psychoactive ingredient of cannabis, delta-9 tetra hydrocannabinol is THC. So this is what we're talking about when we say marijuana. So let's regroup, recap. You know that our cannabinoid receptors are activated by an anadanamide and 2-arachnodonoylglycerol. These are the neurotransmitters that are in natural cannabinoids that our bodies produce and the main psychoactive cannabinoid in the cannabis plant is THC. The CB1 receptor transduces signals in response to the CNS active constituents of cannabis sativa. In other words, THC mimics our natural endocannabinoids and binds to our cannabinoid receptors. 
This occurs in three main places in our brains, the cerebellum, basal ganglia, and hippocampus. The cerebellum, basal ganglia, and hippocampus are responsible for a lot of things, such as short-term memory, learning, problem solving, and coordination. Detailed neuroanatomical and electrophysiological analysis of mammalian nervous systems has revealed that the CB1 receptor is targeted to the presynaptic terminals of neurons, where it acts to inhibit release of classic neurotransmitters. Another way to think of this is that the THC binds to the receptors and takes over. This will come as no surprise, but the cannabinoid receptor 1 is critical in stress regulation and the development of mood disorders, such as anxiety, depression, and bipolar disorder, in post-traumatic post stress syndrome, as well as in uh, the pathogenesis of schizophrenia, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, and eating disorders. Just in case this is too easy to understand, THC and another cannabinoid in cannabis salvia, CBD, also interact with other receptors, transporters, enzymes, cellular structures, membranes, and ion channels. So while I've gotten off track, let's talk about CBD. We've established that marijuana refers to the parts of the cannabis sativa plant that contain substantial amounts of THC. So what we're talking about now is not technically marijuana. Over 100 cannabinoids have been identified, including THC and CBD. CBD, or cannabidiol, is the second most prevalent active ingredient in cannabis. CBD is an essential component of medical marijuana. It's derived directly from the hemp plant, a cousin of marijuana, or manufactured in a laboratory. The mechanism of action of CBD in terms of its psychoactive and therapeutic effects is not fully clear, meaning scientists aren't sure how CBD works. I dug around for hours trying to find the mechanism of action for CBD and I had to let it go. CBD has been touted for the treatment of many ailments for which it has not been studied. In those diseases with evaluable human data, it generally has weak or very weak evidence of efficacy. There is a notable exception. The strongest scientific evidence for the effectiveness of CBD is in treating some of the cruelest childhood epilepsy syndrome, Dribet syndrome and Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, which typically don't respond to anti-seizure medication. In January 2022, when analyzing over-the-counter cannabidiol CBD products, here's what the Journal of Epilepsy and Behavior found in a large study. I have a link to the study on my website under the post, The Science of Marijuana. What they found is consumer CBD products vary greatly in formulation, purity, and label accuracy. Beverages and other aqueous CBD products are essentially are especially inconsistent. Many of these consumer products contain non-negligible amounts of THC. Patients and consumers risk side effects, interactions, and failed drug screenings. 
In spite of all that, cannabinoids are generally considered to have fewer and milder side effects than many pharmaceutical drugs they may be able to replace. Don't make the mistake, though, of thinking that natural products are side effect free. Okay, aside from epilepsy syndromes, have cannabis or cannabinoids been proven helpful in treating other health conditions? That is a tough question, and research is ongoing. Drugs containing cannabinoids may be helpful in treating rare forms of the epilepsy I mentioned, nausea and vomiting associated with cancer chemotherapy, and loss of appetite and weight loss associated with HIV AIDS. In addition, some evidence suggests modest benefits of cannabis or cannabinoids for chronic pain and multiple sclerosis symptoms. Heck, I use China gel for sore muscles when someone else might find it useless. We're all different. Research on cannabis or cannabinoids for other conditions is still in its early stages. Unfortunately, memory loss and cannabis use is a fact. A growing body of literature suggests that cannabis intake can induce memory loss in humans and animals. Cannabis effects on cognition mostly results from the ability of its main psychoactive component, THC, to activate, activate CB1 receptors in the brain, thus interfering with the action of our own natural endocannabinoids. This causes cortical inflammation, resulting in long-term cognitive impairment. Besides the recreational use, daily cannabis users may also belong to the ever-increasing population of patients who are administered cannabis as medicine. For them, the memory loss side effect is, is a bad side effect. The brain CB1 receptors are, as you remember, are essentially blunted in cannabis users. Several studies have shown that long-term and heavy cannabis use during adolescence can impair brain maturation and predispose to neurodevelopmental disorders. At least adult brains recover the cognitive impairments after a period of abstinence. However, adolescent brains can sustain permanent damage. That is a sobering side effect of THC and a bad answer to the question, how does marijuana affect your brain? And we've been tiptoeing around the efficacy of CBD products and med medical marijuana. If proof isn't written in stone, why are so many states legalizing marijuana? The legalization of weed has been a hot topic for consumers and lawmakers alike. The debate ignited in 2012 when Colorado and Washington became the first states to legalize recreational use of cannabis. Many states are joining the party and taking steps towards cannabis legalization. I've got charts on my website. Uh, 38 states at present have legalized medical use of cannabis, and 19 states legalize recreational use of cannabis, and 27 states decriminalize weed. As of May 2022, my state, Wisconsin, is a holdout. Absolutely nothing is legal here. Color me cynical, but one reason states are jumping on the cannabis train could be tax revenue. Colorado marijuana sales in 2021 set records. They sold $2.22 billion in cannabis, and Colorado collected 
almost $425 million in tax revenue. I have a chart on my website if you'd like to see. The Federation of Tax Administrators is my source, and there are many states that aren't too far behind. The problem is federal law still prohibits the sale and consumption of marijuana. Why is marijuana illegal under federal law? Marijuana is a Schedule I drug. A Schedule I drug is defined as a drug with no current medical use with a high potential for abuse and or addiction. Unfortunately, until marijuana is rescheduled, large-scale research will probably not occur. This is unfortunate because we need large-scale research to, con to ascertain the efficacy of CBD, THC, other promising cannabinoids. How do scientists and the marijuana lobby prove that it should not be a Schedule I drug? Research, right? Another big issue is that we're talking about a highly impure substance. The cannabis plant has 540 separate compounds. And since cannabis is a naturally occurring substance, it can't be patented, so research is also dicey. This brings us to synthetic, otherwise known as man-made cannabinoids. Synthetic cannabinoids are one of the most rapidly expanding classes of novel psychoactive substances found in illegal markets. These substances have evolved to the point that many examples no longer fit with the traditional cannabinoid classification system, leading to inconsistencies in regard to their chemical structures. Ooh, I'm going off on a tangent. The FDA requires large studies, including hundreds of participants, that evaluate both the effectiveness and safety of drugs for the specific group of people it will be used for. That is a long and expensive and arduous process. A Pew Research poll from April 5, 2021, shows that 60% of United States adults polled think that marijuana should be legalized for medical and recreational use. 31% think that it should only be used for medical use. 8% felt that it should not be legal at all. Do opinions matter? Of course they do. What is your opinion about legalizing marijuana? Have you used cannabinoids, meaning CBD, to help with what ails you? Noticed any side effects? I'm having a lot of luck with my china gel and sore muscles, so I think I'll stick with that for now. And keep my fingers crossed that researchers will find more answers for us. Drop by and visit my website, www.susanburkcook.com, and the Science of Marijuana post, where I've got many links to articles and the research and the state stats. So if you're interested, you can take a look. I'd love it if you'd subscribe, too. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.